0: hey everybody brad stevens here founder and ceo of outsource access we help companies redefine how they scale with offshore affordable staff from the philippines congrats to all fellow winners of the 2023 real leaders impact awards we are proud to be among you about 10 years ago i woke up to a major growth problem in my last business cash was tight staff was overwhelmed and tasks were not getting done then i discovered the world of offshore virtual staff in the philippines where english is their second language so there is no communication or culture gap I realized outsourcing wasn't just call centers, it was access to college-educated Filipinos to support sales, marketing, operations, customer service, bookkeeping, personal tasks, and more. And in fact, the first woman I hired in the Philippines at 23 is now an award-winning COO of our entire company. It inspired me to launch Outsource Access. One client and YPO member, Ali Jamal, shared their offshore virtual staff Edison automated processes and saved them over 50,000 per year in the first few weeks. It's about finally getting things done and staff focusing on higher value activities. We've grown by over 2,000% in just three and a half years and will double next year. To receive a complimentary outsourcing playbook customized for your industry and to connect with one of our team here at Outsource Access, just visit redefinescale.com. That's redefinescale.com or text the word SCALE to 770-954-8440. Two months after hiring my first staff, She sent me a picture of shoes she bought for low-income children because of the opportunity and now we support thousands of families and the environment with united nations sdg projects i'm proud we've grown with impact to learn more visit redefinescale.com boom what up hello bonjour and hola
1: real leaders this is kevin edwards your host here and i am so excited you're tuning in to one of our amazing experiences what you're about to hear is going to be fresh, real, and loaded with inspiration, guaranteed to support your impact journey. So sit back, enjoy the listen, folks share a review afterward, and always keep it real. In five, four, three, two, and one. Welcome everyone to this episode of The Real Leaders Podcast, The Voice of the Community for Impact. I am your host, Kevin Edwards. And alongside me today, we've got a good one. We've got Noel Carroll, CEO of BioFriendly. Noel, thanks for coming on the show today.
2: Thank you for having me, Kevin. So it's nice to be here.
1: Of course, of course. So for people learning about BioFriendly for the first time, tell us a little bit about the organization, uh, maybe the impact behind it, what you're working on.
2: Sure. Well, BioFriendly actually has been been around for a long while, but we're in kind of a transition at the moment. Uh, the company ori- originally was founded to deal with air pollution. So there's an additive that the company developed called Green Plus, uh, which directly handles air pollution. And you, you can add it to any fuel gas, diesel, fuel oils, coal, whatever, and reduces the carbon impact by about 7%. So that was kind of the, the event, invention that got the company going. And that was about 20 years ago. Um, and it was really the company was all about air pollution. Uh, I took over the company back in 2018. And that was sort of part of a transition to a new era because nowadays, there's a lot less focus in the environment on fuels, obviously, right? So now we're, we're turning ourselves into an environmental technology and education company. So there's two things we did for that. We have a, an educational platform, an entertainment platform called BioFriendly Planet, which is biofriendlyplanet.com. And that's where we just give basic, easy easy to digest uh, environmental information uh, and like tips and tricks and things for anybody, even someone who doesn't care about the environment or doesn't want to hear about it um to kind of bring them in and welcome them in them into the fold uh, and then new technologies so we have a, a bunch of new tech we've been developing since then that we're actually now launching we're starting to launch uh, this year right? licensing things and developing new things and yeah going into other aspects of environmentalism to help the planet
1: Really interesting. And so like, what's your outlook right now on kind of this transition to renewable energies? Do you think that that's kind of the way we need to go Is a complete shift over? Is it going to take all forms of energy and, and maybe what's, what's, what is biofriendly doing about
2: this? Yeah. Well, you know, I think that there's a, there's a hope in the environmental community that we can just, just do it just kind of like flip and, and flip the switch and, and have everything be running on, on wind and solar and and, and hydro uh, and not worry about it and cut off the, the, the fuel lines completely. Uh, and I think it'd be great if that was the case, but we do have kind of a, an infrastructure that's expensive and difficult to change. And that's sort of the biggest thing that gets in the way of doing that. Uh, that and also the unforeseen unknown problems that sort of come up anytime you transition from one thing to another, there's always stuff that comes up. And so with with EVs, with all the renewables, there have, there have been a lot of problems, and many of them that have been solved, and there are some that we still need to solve uh, in order to kind of flip it over completely. But I do think that if we're going to transition, it needs to be a, a, a wholesome kind of concept as, as to how we're going to do it. I, I think that you can't shy away from technology like nuclear. I think that nuclear is going to be an important part of it. It's a zero emission technology. I think it's a little scary for people when they think about nuclear because they think of bombs. <laughs> Um, but that's that's a really important uh, piece of the puzzle and then also just finding new clever ways to deal with what we have right to improve our hydro options with, with dams uh, with new hydro technology um, with better solar panels with finding more. You know, access to creating them I think there's cool new legislation to make more of that locally will be better because some of the ones that are made overseas are. You know, not as not as well made, and not as not made in a let's say zero emission way. Um, so there's there's a lot to it as it's kind of a big puzzle. Uh, for bio friendly, I mean our, our our main kind of way that we assist in that is actually in the hydro area. Uh, we have we have a product uh, called the Powerball, which we license from a company called helioseltis and so we distribute that uh, throughout the United States. And that's basically just a water wheel, and you can use that on as little as two inches of water in a canal or a stream or a river or whatever run them up in sequence and you get 24 hours of of energy for as many of those balls as you have, or those wheels as you have in the, in the water. And that's a, a really kind of neat hydro solution that, that handles some of the reliability problems that you have with, with the best uh, renewable tech that we have now, which is wind and solar.
1: Interesting. And in the past five years, since you've been at the company, you've experienced a lot of growth. Like when, when you first joined the organization, especially for leaders listening to this, like maybe they're in a new role or, they're looking for some experience on, you know, what it takes to grow an organization at your size. What was the kind of like the first kind of protocol or plan you, you went about doing in, in the early days and and what's gotten you to this growth now?
2: Yeah. Yeah. So I think, I think one of the things you have to, what you have to do as a, as a leader, when you take over new jobs, you have to really inform yourself, honestly, as to what, what do we have here? <laughs> Is this a. Uh, is it is it clicking and is it going well? And if it's clicking and going well, do you like how much do you want to change, right? Like if, if things are really going nicely, then you kind of want to keep them going nicely, keep them moving. In the case here, there actually were kind of a, a lot of problems just because the company was in a bit of a transition. So there's quite a bit of debt we had to deal with. Uh, there was you know, some some uh, business had, had been struggling to get into new markets and was was not, you know, was not flying as well as it could have been. So um, one of the things that I had to do when I I took over is to look at, okay, what do we have coming in? Where do we, where are we going? Well, where are things succeeding and how can we take advantage of those things and then grow those as well as find new opportunities while kind of limiting the things that were maybe more of a a weight uh, on the business and holding it back. So I I do think that you, anytime you're jumping into something new, you need to look at what, what do I have here? Like, what are, what are we dealing with And, and really understand how much are we spending? How much are we making? This is always the basics, right? Uh, and then who do we have in our team and what are they doing? And is that the right thing to be doing now uh, or not? And that really, it's situational. Sometimes you got to change things. Sometimes it's best not to change things. So I think it really does vary depending upon what you're, you know, what you're looking at.
1: And and maybe share a little bit more about like, hey, how much did you change? Not that you need to go into specifics, but like, yeah. how, did you change a lot? And 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 talking about like change management, like what was the communication like to make sure that you know people went along uh, or were inspired by this change?
2: Yeah, well, you, you gotta inspire is a good word, right? You, if you're gonna do something new, then you do have people generally who are, who have brought you in, right? That you're working with, uh, and and people who are also on the team already who you're working with. You can't just jump in and then. Just should start hacking away at things and doing what you want without selling people on the idea. You do need to come up with, what are we going to do? What is the plan? What is the best way to go forward? And then communicate also with the people who are on your team um, like as to how you want to do it, if that's going to work for them, if they have input on it, if they have ideas on that. And then once you have what you think is a good idea, you do have to sell it. You do have to go in and talk about it. You do have to get people to be on your side as to what we're doing, why we're doing it, how we're going to do it and why it's going to work and then get people excited uh, and jazzed about it and then, and then get that, get that in place.
1: And and when you think about traction, like uh, maybe you had the idea and it's like, okay, well now we're going to implement the idea and see how it goes. Like what spurred a lot of that traction for your growth in the company? When, and when I think about growth, I think about sales, uh, sales growth in the organization. Like what, what really helped with that traction?
2: Yeah, so I think the 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 first thing we had to do with this particular business, it was there was kind of a couple things at once that were going on, right? So there is what we're going to be doing next, and how do we make what we're doing work a little better, right? So on the part of making what we're doing work a little better, we do have a couple places where we have regular business, right? So in Latin America, uh, we we sell quite a lot of product. Uh, we're part of a United Nations. Um, United Nations echo Label down there where we're, we can improve um, people making businesses and people trying to meet their sustainable development goals. Uh, they get a 7% credit basically on their sustainable development goals by using our product. And that 7% credit is directly related to carbon emission reduction. Hmm. So that's a, that's a big deal. That's something that was just coming together right when I started. We jumped on that and we, we pushed that and made that a, a major part of what we're doing in Latin America. And that worked and so that really grew the business down there quite a bit um another place where we do a lot of business is in the state of texas Uh, in in texas they use the product as part of the texas low emission diesel regulation Uh, so basically that they had to meet certain emissions requirements back in 2005 i think it was um, to keep getting their epa funding and so this program is part of that we happen to be we happen to have a product that meets what's required by the state and the epa to meet that regulation so we're one of many competitors in that market. What we had to do there is essentially prove that we were we were better than the competitors and that we had something to offer they didn't and that there were things that we could do that other competitors couldn't that would help make the job for these oil companies easier for them to reduce their emissions. And so the target was how do we actually expand in this market that we have and do that better which we really did. We've we've gone from about 40% to 70% of that market. So in those areas with the product itself, we've grown as well as now looking for new markets um, with that product. The other part of it, which was which was a little different, was the transitioning, right? So um, with BioFriendly Planet, which is the, the environmental education and entertainment part, that's something we really started and got going when I, when I moved in, in a major way. Uh, and with that, it really was about how do we Find our niche, how do we find the place where we're different than the other environmental websites? because there's a lot of them. And what we found was that there's a lot of browbeating kind of in the community. There's a lot of you do it this way or you don't do it anyway at all. Uh, and if you aren't with us, then you're an enemy, you're against us, and forget you, basically, right? This was a, a kind of a a theme we kept seeing at the time. It's actually improved a little bit since then. i, I like to think we' we're, we're part of that. But what we did is we decided we're going to go the opposite direction. We're going to say, this is a problem and everybody can help and anybody can help. And you don't have to convert your engine into a peanut oil diesel generator. Like you can, you can do a lot of little simple things and help the environment. And we want you to do that. And we want you to be in, we want you to, to join the tent, to just hop in the tent, and join the team and be part of this. And so instead of kind of being forceful and mean about it, we became very open and welcoming and made it very easy and made it very much, very much okay. If people didn't want to do the thing we present that week. So, um, and that. That especially went well with our podcast. We have a show called the Biofriendly Podcast, which has uh, gone really well. It's kind of blowing up in Earth Sciences and sort of you know, podcasts. Um, and it's blown up because we have fun with it. Because it's fun, it's funny. We we screw around the whole time. We have a lot of laughs, and we don't worry too much about being very serious. And so we found that that's kind of opened up our own little market. And so now that's the, the website's gotten massive. It's gotten really really big, uh, and our, our network has grown really nicely. And then after that came the new tag, and that's a whole other thing we can we can get
1: into. Yeah. Interesting. Well, well, thanks for sharing that. I mean, I think it's re- incredibly resourceful for, for anyone listening out there and I can kind of just see a lot of people listening, like getting really inspired about, you know, ways they can apply that, you know, to, to their organization. I also like what you're saying about like this collaborative approach, as opposed to like the competition uh, and seeing it that way with a poll, kind of a poll strategy. I mean, what have been some of these big surprises uh, from this growth? Has it been the podcast? Has it been the community that's formed because of it? What are some big uh, surprises from these changes?
2: Yeah, certainly. Uh, I think, I mean, anytime you do anything, you, you, you try to do your research, you try to do your survey, you try to figure out, is this going to work? But you never know, right? You never know if it's going to come together. I think what, what has been surprising is how changing the focus on what we thought were the right things has made other things easier right? Where where, where things at first were just, it was difficult to get things moving, to get the, to to crank the engine and get it going, right? Um, It really, once it felt like we were hitting the right notes, particularly like with BioFriendly Planet, once we were really hitting that, just welcome. This is easy. This is a little thing. It really, it's amazing how much doing the right thing made it kind of move itself as people started flooding in kind of on their own. Um, And same with the tech. I think when we, when we, when we started going into into different markets and presenting the option as like, here's here's the dozen ways that this can help you and make your job easier. And like, just people responded. Like, I I was I think the surprise for me was that I expected some aspects of that to to take a a lot a lot more tries. I thought we'd have to screw. And we did have we did make mistakes and it didn't all kind of come together easily. But it it really kind of just it did sort of roll once we. Once we made a decision and then tried that out and pushed on it, it was amazing that it was pretty, pretty close to right, which I would attribute a little bit to luck. And we did also do some, some research before we just jumped into it, but yeah, it it really kind of rolled for us.
1: I love that. And congratulations on the growth and, and, and Noel, just like out of curiosity, like where, where are you at your best? Like where, when you think about like how you prioritize your time and time management, like where, where do you need to be, uh, throughout the week?
2: So the hard thing for me is I, I I like to get into the middle of things a lot. I like to get my hands dirty with whatever the the, the problem is or whatever whatever different thing needs to be solved. And with as much as we have going on and with the talented people we have here, uh, the place I've had to really where I've had to change a little bit and where I I've, I've found it's been important is to is to allow allow people to do what they do right to to be supportive. To give advice when it's asked for, to give my thoughts when they're when they're when they're needed, um, and to provide the overall guidance as opposed to getting into the nitty gritty, which is, you know, I, I think it's something that I I did more of in in the past. And so I think my I'm at my best these days uh, when I am guiding and supporting as opposed to being in the middle of what someone else is doing or trying to do the job right. So like to just to be there and support and help, and then when needed. To jump in and do what needs to be done you know myself if i have to but it, it really is that has been a, a learning curve for me and something where I, f- I feel like i've kind of found my place a little better is is with it all working with the people who have the job and letting them do the job
1: yeah and, and it's it's interesting because like a lot of the ceos and like in our community like, they're like where where do i need to spend most of my time i feel like i fluctuate from from role to role and just trying to figure that out. Like, it, it, as a follow-up question, like, is that how you would describe your role as a CEO, being being very supportive of others' growth in the organization and, and, yeah. and detaching? How would you describe?
2: I mean, it? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, at first, sorry for cutting you off there, but I, at first, I would say it was it was a lot more like that, right? Where where there were direct things that I was in the middle of and having to handle personally a lot, and that there were a lot of things to have to do everywhere. Now, there's still a lot of areas that need management and a lot of places where I have to keep an eye on things and keep running things. But what's been great is with growth has come the opportunity to bring in more people, bring in more help and, and bring in great people. And I do think that that with any business, that's that's the goal. It's because your business is your people. It's like who do you have on your team? And if you have a good team, you're gonna win. It's just like any sport, any, you know, any any game, right? It's like the people with the best team succeed. So the thing that's been nice is as we've been growing, we've been able to put in some really good people, um, and so that's changed a little bit from being more like I've got a thousand places to be at once and a thousand problems to handle at once to more of there are people who are handling different problems in different areas, and if I know the important ones, I know the ones that that are at you know at the level that I need to keep an eye on, then I can just keep checking in on those and then making sure they're getting done and helping as necessary. And that's where I think being supportive is where my job has kind of shifted and where, where I think it's more helpful.
1: And what's been the most difficult challenge uh, for you as a CEO? Mm-hmm. Has it been stepping away or maybe a, let me tailor this question. What's been the most difficult challenge of those check-ins? Maybe you're outside of their operations for a while, then you come back. What's kind of been a challenge for you to make sure that you're still driving growth in the organization?
2: Yeah, I think, I think, so my, my job before this, I was in entertainment, right? So so I came in from entertainment, which is one of the reasons we we launched the entertainment and education platform is because that was my, my background. I mean, I'm, I'm in LA. Um, and so in doing that, I was a a, a producer, right? Uh, and then in, when you're producing, particularly with kind of lower budget uh, productions, which is you know, what we were doing is a lot of indie stuff or a lot of like low budget stuff for like you know, Warner and Machinima and Shoreline and a few of these companies. Um, you do get into the middle of everything. You do have to do a lot of things like i, I found that i was I was very much like, like actually hands on having to to literally do a lot of things that were not being done or needed to be done or were in a rush because there was so much rushing. Uh, and this this job, like like I said, at first, was a bit more like that because you know we did transition a few people uh, in and out, move people to different roles, but there's a lot of a lot of that, that had to go on. Um, and then. For me, kind of a, a, at this point, I do think that it is one of those things where where the challenge is to like to, yeah, like as i said, to to keep supporting everybody as they're, as they're they're doing what they want to do, but also to to keep in mind that that there's a lot about this company that I do have to manage so and i I say that because I love obviously the entertainment part of it, that's the part of it that that I kind of built uh, and the part of it that was my my personal passion. but the new tech, which I know less about, I have, I have far less uh, education on, on engineering, and I'll let, that's not my my background, right? But we have a great team of engineers. So we have a great great people who do that. Um, but my job is to also push those along and make sure there's a plan for those and make sure that we are selling the new tech and that that stuff is moving along and the, those things are happening. And keeping the focus even on all of the things that matter, making sure that everything is growing and everything is moving along and not just kind of jumping into my favorite little pet project that we're that we're doing that's that's growing up nicely can sometimes actually be a bit of a challenge and then also staying educated enough that I can do what I need to do from that technical side and from that engineering side even though that's not my background that's another place where it's a challenge that takes a lot of a lot of reading a lot of studying a lot of keeping up and asking a lot of questions and I think as you sort of um, mentioned when we were talking before the interview I uh, understanding that you don't know everything. You're not going to know everything. It's impossible to know everything. So other people do, and that's okay. Maybe not being worried or, or uh, you know, afraid that I'll be shown up by somebody who knows more than I do, because that's, I mean, of course, of course they do. That's their job. That's their specialty. Why, how would I know more than they would, you know?
1: Absolutely. No, Well, I, I'm just wishing you, uh, you know, best of luck as you continue to stretch yourself and empower others in your organization. And, uh, I guess in all of this, Noel, I'd love for you to bring this home. What's your definition of a real
0: leader? Mm-hmm. I think it's somebody who listens. That's that would be,
2: I think, the number one, the number one thing. I, I think it's somebody like, you you have to you really do have to absorb more than you're putting out. Mm-hmm. That's kind of maybe backwards as that might feel for some people. I think that when you look at all the things that leaders have to do, all the things they have to start, all the things they have to keep moving, they have to personally handle the, the different deals that they make, all the rest of it. It feels like there's a lot of, a lot of outward action, right? That's coming from from leaders. But I actually think that the more important part is is what you're observing and what you are, what you're in the, what you're seeing, like the amount of time you spend paying attention to what. What's happening in this area, what are these numbers saying what's happening with these people, how are they doing what's like what's going on in terms of of what's around you and really absorbing it and trying your best to. To listen and to to take in all the data, you can because you can't make good decisions without good data so. For me, I think that that while it does appear like a good leader makes like makes these bold, great decisions where this thing will get handled, that thing will get fixed, or this new thing will be developed, or the sale will get done or whatever, you can't do any of that if you don't understand what you're dealing with. Mm-hmm. And I think they, that's the part where I think you kind of see the, the really good leaders from the, the ones who struggle a bit is, can you actually honestly inform yourself of what's going on with your business?
1: sure absolutely well Noel, appreciate you coming on the show today from noel carol i'm kevin edwards asking to go out there absorb listen more and always keep it real thanks Noel. thank you Hey Releaders, thanks again for listening to this amazing episode. And if you're someone like me who goes all the way to the end just to make sure I can extract as much information, education, and inspiration out of every single interview, might I suggest you check out our magazine. If you go online to readers.com today, you're going to get the first 30 days for free where you're going to be able to access all of our magazines courses, and live events from some of the top thought leaders around the world. All you have to do is go online to realleaders.com and click the subscribe button in the top right corner to get your free 30-day trial right now. Again, that's real-leaders.com. Thanks again for being a real leader and always keep it real.